Well, hey guys, how you doing? Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Glad you could join me here today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that NASA press conference they had about two weeks ago as of this recording where Bill Nelson and crew, Bill being the head of NASA, uh, said that they were going to have transparency about UAP, otherwise known as UFOs, and uh, that they were investigating evidence. And I think right after that press conference, they hired someone to officially run program. Um, and they said at the time of this press conference that they didn't have any evidence that any of these UFOs, aka UAP, uh, were extraterrestrial in origin. Now, I really find that to be highly problematic. It's not that we can uh, prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that all the sightings that the astronauts and people who've worked at NASA have said uh, are objects and structures on the moon and things like this that are unexplainable. It's not that we know the source of those objects, but I mean, we've had a lot of astronauts and people that have worked with NASA come forward and say they've seen anomalous um, objects either on the way to the moon or on the moon itself. And I think for NASA to say that there's nothing going on here is just flat out false. Um, NASA said at this press conference that uh, they were looking through the peer-reviewed uh, literature and they hadn't seen anything in the literature uh, to show that uh, UFOs, UAP, could have an extraterrestrial origin. But I don't think that fits the facts of what I've heard from witnesses at NASA over the years. And I just want to talk about some of those today. Because I've been meeting people that have worked at NASA who were astronauts or employed by NASA or people who worked at JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory Division of NASA, who have told me, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that they've encountered evidence of technology that is way beyond human capacity or they've had experiences at NASA that suggested to them that there was some sort of cover-up going on. I mean, and we're talking about a big-time cover-up. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, in my early days with remote viewing uh, in training at Farsight Institute, there were two people that came to Farsight to take training there uh, who had worked with NASA. One was a an astronaut who had trained as a shuttle pilot. Uh, he actually hadn't gone on the shuttle into space, but, you know, NASA trains a lot more astronauts than they actually send up on their missions. And this person, I guess, would have been called a civilian astronaut since they had gone through all the training but actually hadn't flown. But this person suggested to me that the triangular craft, he said he knew for a fact that triangular craft that people see that some of them are 
actually part of the U.S. military. And uh, he seemed to be quite confident about that. Um, another person who I encountered there had worked with NASA transferring um, the 16 millimeter film to video. This guy had invented a device that would capture 16 millimeter film uh, and transfer it to video. And he said he had seen unambiguous evidence of structures on the moon looking at some of this 16 millimeter footage, which the public had never seen. And again, he was uh, just totally confident that these were structures, square structures, domes, things like this that couldn't possibly be of uh, human origin. He suggested they were quite old. But another of the important witnesses I encountered is someone that I wrote about um, in my book, uh, Black Swan Ghosts. I'm talking about uh, chapter... Good old chapter 17, Dr. Richard Hoover. Now, as you'll notice, Black Swan Ghost has a new cover. Uh, this was the original cover for Black Swan Ghost. And I wrote this book a couple of years ago about all my encounters with UFO ET witnesses over the years since there were so many. Uh, this was the Amazon sort of make your own cover on Amazon version. And, uh, you know, I didn't think it really did justice to the book. I had always wanted to change the cover. So I had our good friend, uh, Mark Tuckman, do a new cover. This is uh, one of the versions of it. And I think it looks a lot better. Now, Mark is the same person that did uh, Dark Matter Monsters, too, which I published just over a year ago. Thanks very much for all your support for this book, Cryptids, Ball Lightning, and the Science of Secret Life Forms. Uh, so I'm very happy with the way uh, this looks. And we're still tweaking the cover, by the way. So um, one of these witnesses for this book was Dr. Richard Hoover. Now, Dr. Richard Hoover is someone that I met at the Open Minds UFO Congress in Fountain Hills, Arizona, outside of Scottsdale in 2014. And I got to spend a couple days with him because... Uh, the conference went for like five days or so. We got to speak a lot. Now, Richard Hoover is an expert in extremophiles. These are organisms that are capable of living in extreme conditions, uh, in very cold conditions, Arctic and Antarctic, in volcanic vents, nuclear power plants. And things like this. And Richard said that he had uncovered evidence of, you know, very tiny organisms, fossils in meteorites, single-celled organisms and so forth, diatoms, very small organisms. But he, he was absolutely confident that when you cracked some of these carbonaceous uh, meteorites that had fallen to Earth, that you were looking at fossils. He told me if you found these in rocks on Earth, you would have no doubt that these were fossils. And um, Richard is so well credentialed, I was impressed with his um, background. I mean, he had over 300 scientific proceedings. That's a lot. I mean, I've been to conferences, 300. Uh, peer-reviewed papers, 300 peer-reviewed papers from scientific proceedings. Uh, 
35 books and 23 U.S. and international patents. And Richard had told me about some of the places he had gone over, you know, to the Arctic, all these places to find these extremophiles. And he worked for NASA as an astrobiologist, someone that looks into life uh, outside of the Earth and the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, he also worked for the Marshall Space Flight Center and uh, Astrobiology, Marshall Space Flight Center, 1997 to 2011. He was awarded NASA Inventor of the Year in 1992. Um, and he retired in 2011. And the reason he retired is uh, because, as he told me, NASA uh, didn't like his notion that there could be a life outside of the Earth, that he was looking at evidence of life, former life, trapped in meteorites. And it became such a uh, contentious issue for it, for him, uh, that he decided to quit. I mean, they literally told him to stop talking about this at conferences, start talking about the evidence for life in carbonaceous meteorites. And uh, these are microfossils. And um, Richard told me that he finally asked in NASA, who actually is saying this, that I shouldn't talk about this at conferences? I mean, who's trying, who is the person that's trying to silence me from talking about the evidence? Um, and uh, he said that he was told it came from the White House, the Obama White House who were worried that a report on extraterrestrial life might be offensive to some of the fundamentalist churches in the U.S. and possibly other religions. So uh, Hoover told me that NASA knew about evidence for extraterrestrial life. I mean, even if it's just single-celled organisms or some of the evidence from Mars that he believed had detected evidence of, uh, you know, the signature chemicals of life in the uh, the, the single uh, life detection experiment in 1976. And and just as recording this video, just yesterday there was an announcement that the, the James Webb Telescope had found was a dimethyl sulfide on a distant planet. I mean, the gash, the, the gaseous evidence in, uh, in light from that planet, which is only known here to exist from life. So, I mean, this isn't a really new idea, but it's just astounding. I think you'd agree that they told him he couldn't talk about something like this at conferences. I think that's astounding, and it suggests, as Hoover suggested to me, that NASA has a timetable, and they don't want anyone going faster that timetable, the timetable to talk about extraterrestrial life. Uh, so this is really what I wanted to talk to you about. He uh, talked about evidence from the 1973 Skylab incident where there were photos taken of an object uh, away from Skylab itself. And I want to read this to you because I think this is absolutely still to this day astounding. And I can't believe how someone like Bill Nelson can get up there and say there's just no evidence for anything anomalous. Uh, 
that we can't explain with with this particular I'll just show you this i'm going to read this to you because this is going to show you what kind of cover-up is going on inside nasa i mean nasa needs to get its act together uh hoover told me that he was on the communications console at nasa and by the way this chapter by about richard was a double and triple checked by him so every word in here is, is accurate uh hoover told me he was on the command console at nasa johnson space center in 1973, when Skylab astronaut Owen Garriott reported to the CAPCOM, which is the capsule commander and the person uh, designated by NASA to talk with the astronauts, Garin, uh, Owen Garriott reported to the CAPCOM that they were observing red lights outside the Skylab, uh, Skylab wardroom window. They were taking photos of this object that appeared to be in orbit with Skylab. It's moving along with Skylab. After the mission, Owen discussed the event at a press conference and said NASA would know more. After analyzing the photos and radar data, it was thought that the images would be made public after the film was developed. And then several years later, Richard phoned his friend, Noel Lamar, the NASA JCSC Photo Lab Director. I think it was called the Photo Interpretation Lab also. Uh, at a colleague's request to request a copy of the red light photos. As the director was out of his office, another friend answered the phone, the lab worker who worked closely with Hoover while they selected the films that would be flown on Skylab's S-56 X-ray telescope. Uh, the lab assistant described the red light photos to Hoover, gave him the image frame numbers, and told the person's name at NASA, who had prints of these images, the MSCF office, and just at that moment, Noel Lamar turn, returns and the lab assistant transferred the call to him. And then when Richard asked the director for copies of the photos, there was long silence on the other end of the phone. Long silence. The director then told him that the pictures did not come out. He said it had all been a mistake and the red lights were just a reflection of red panel lights within Skylab that the lens had been pressed against the window so the light did not reflect back into the camera and there was really nothing on the outside of Skylab. So it's just a reflection, uh, a reflection of a window with something pressed against it. Okay. Uh, Hoover was astonished as it contradicted all he had just been told by the lab assistant. He asked Noel how it was possible since the camera was an SLR and Owen would have never wasted precious film if nothing was there when he looked into the viewfinder. Right? You're looking at the viewfinder. You're pressed up against those small Skylab windows. Uh, there's not going to be anything there. He then asked the director how NORAD could have tracked these lights on radar if there were merely reflections in the window. So NORAD tracked these lights too, huh? The director said he had heard nothing about radar tracking and asked why Hoover thought that had occurred. When told it was discussed over the open comm loops in real time, Hoover was told his memory must be mistaken. <laughs> and the conversation ended with Hoover amazed by these curious discordant conversations with two friends that he trusted and believed to be both completely honest and trustworthy. Hoover and his colleague went to see the images at the office of the MSFC official that had a book containing all of the Skylab photos from this camera. And then they discovered that the photos with the frame numbers of the red lights were missing from the book. 
that particular sequence of shots was simply absent. So we know they exist, but now they're missing from the Skylab photos book. A few years later, Richard was at a science conference in Boulder, Colorado, when he stopped in at a bookstore. He found a book, UFOs, Past, Present, and Future, based on the documentary by the same name, UFOs, Past, Present, and Future, being an excellent documentary funded by the Department of Defense, by NASA, and by, if I'm not mistaken, Norton Air Force Base, who actually contacted Robert Emenegger, someone who worked in film production in Hollywood, uh, and Alan Sandler to create a serious documentary about UFOs. You can see it on YouTube right now. It's a very good doc, serious documentary, lots of excellent cases, the Colonel Coyne incident over Ohio and the Socorro incident and uh, uh, many other incidents, including civilian airlines that, uh, at the time, in the 70s, it had taken you know, passengers that seen these objects and so forth. So UFOs, past, present, future, originally called UFOs, it has begun, host, you know, narrated by Rod uh, Serling. And then uh, later, Jacques Vallée was brought into the second version, which was called UFOs, past, present, and future. Uh, and uh, so this is a U.S. Air Force-funded UFO documentary. And the documentary was an honest look at the UFO phenomena intended for mass distribution. Emanager was invited by U.S. Air Force officials to a tour of Holloman Air Force Base, and he was shown where an actual encounter had taken place between ETs and the Air Force. Um, and there's actually a few frames of it of some craft landing, which could be an ET craft. Um, there were It was narrated by Pentagon officials, and... Uh, it's a fantastic documentary. So, in any case, um, while leafing through the book, Richard was stunned to see the very photographs he was told didn't exist, complete with unexplained luminous objects photographed by Skylop astronauts Owen Garrett and Al Bean. Well, this is it. UFOs, past, present, and future. Ta-da! I found a copy of this book. Uh, somewhere along the line... It's an adaptation from the film. It has these great drawings of what people said they've seen. Extraterrestrials walking around. Have you seen any creatures like this recently walking around your neighborhood? <laughs> I've got a number for you to call if you have. And it's not Arrow. Uh, so here are the photos of that famous Skylab sighting. It's a pretty interesting looking object, I think you'll have to admit. It looks symmetrical. It looks almost like a Klingon bird of prey or something from Star Trek. These are the photos that the lab director, Noel Lamar, told him uh, uh, didn't come out, didn't exist. And then when they go to look in the, uh, in the Skylab photo book of all the Skylab photos, they're not there. And uh, so... They here they are. Why NASA wouldn't show up to Richard at the time, and this is several years later, um, is really a mystery. Something that was tracked by uh, NORAD, and it was, you know, he heard the conversations with Owen Garriott over the open comm channels. So this is a real object that's up there now.
There's also really other objects. This is Gemini Flight 11 on the 18th Revolution in 1966. Another strange object. What is that? Ice crystals? Flocks of geese? Or maybe weather balloons? So this is interesting photos in this uh, book. Here's an interesting one. What is that? Looks like a seahorse or something. Uh, NASA Photo Interpretation Lab. Apollo Mission 11, 1969. Uh, well, pray tell, what could that be? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Uh, NASA, if they're going to give us a serious discussion of this topic, needs to address this movie. They need to address these pictures. They need to present a case to the American public that they've looked at some of these anomalous encounters over the years from NASA astronauts before they tell us that there's no evidence of any sort. I mean, even Project Blue Book said they couldn't explain 20% of their cases, and that's after they eliminated any explanation whatsoever. Uh, Project Sign, initiated in 1948 at Wright-Patterson, uh, Wright Field, I think it was, it was called at the time later, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, uh, said they had 60 cases just from the late 40s of unexplainable objects that they, and, and, and you know, the people at Wright-Pad are the, you know, engineers at the top of their game in aircraft and reverse engineering and so forth. They would know what these objects would be. That was sort of their job at Air Material Command. Uh so all of these other investigations by the Air Force, starting from 1948, from Project Sign through Project Grudge to Blue Book, uh, and even currently to uh, OSAP and ATIP, have unexplainable um, objects. You can't just say, well, we don't have any evidence that they're extraterrestrial. You don't have any evidence at all where they're from. So you really can't make blanket statements like that, in my view, until you've done some investigation and maybe assigned some probabilities or something. But all these other projects have said unexplainables. Uh, and maybe extraterrestrial is not the right word, maybe non-human intelligence, but it's something that's not ours, okay? It's something that's not a human-made uh, vehicle. And I think what this incident with Richard Hoover shows us is that, you know, the top people at NASA were playing a game with him where he heard the conversation in the command center uh, from the lead communicator to the Skylab astronauts, and they're talking about photographing an object that's in orbit with them, and then he gets a runaround from the photo lab only to find out that the photos have been published later on in this book. I imagine this would have been published after the movie, uh, let's see, 74, yeah. So this is even just a year later that the uh, truth comes out about some, there was an object up there, and uh, to this day it remains unidentified. Now, we can't have NASA become like Orwell's 1984, George Orwell's 1984. We can't have like a rewriting of history, I think you'll agree, okay? We have to look at the cases that people at NASA have been concerned, astronauts. Edgar Mitchell is someone that I talked to uh, once, the sixth man to walk on the moon, you know, MIT graduate and 
uh, astronaut on uh, the Apollo mission. I forget which Apollo mission it was, but he's the sixth man to walk on the moon. And um, he told us at a conference in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, that he hadn't had any sightings that led him to believe he had seen an extraterrestrial vehicle. But he said many other astronauts he had talked to in private told him they had seen these objects outside of the uh, crew capsules or on the moon itself. We do have that story from Timothy Good in his book, Earth and Alien Agenda, where he talks about a woman from MI6 who, uh, Pamela, who... Um, last name started with an H, uh, Hargood or Hardwell, something like this, who said she was at a NASA conference in Spain when she heard Neil Armstrong talk about seeing extraterrestrial craft on the moon when they landed there. She heard this through the hotel door and to the next room, you know, some of those hotels you've been in where there's a door between the two rooms. And she went up and asked him about it. And he said, I can't talk about it. So we've had other evidence uh, that the astronauts, just like Edgar Mitchell told us. And then uh, Ken Johnson is someone I've talked to. He presented at one of the Open Minds uh, UFO Congresses in Fountain Hills outside of Scottsdale um, in Arizona. Uh, I think that was a year later after Hoover. And he, uh, he told us, that he was in possession of all the photos from uh, NASA photography from the astronauts that they uh, didn't have room to store. They told him to get rid of all of these. And he said he had kept one. He donated some to universities. The, apparently the guy said to him that NASA administrator, I don't care what you do with them, just get rid of them. So he, he kept one of them. And uh, uh, they he said that, you know, he wrote a book, Ken's Moon. He said there were clearly, just like that witness I met in 96, clearly structures on the moon. He had pictures of these. And the famous story that he told us, which is so much like Dr. Richard Hoover, uh, is that he was at a viewing of some of these uh, films of one of the orbiters orbiting the moon one of the manned orbiters. And in one of the craters, there were, I believe, five hexagonally, very symmetrical shaped objects. And he said, uh, as they were viewing this film, the head of NASA at the time said to the audience, well, boys, what do you think of that? As these structured objects in one of the craters came into view, and he said everyone just chuckled. So he was apparently, he said he was going to be giving a presentation a couple days later and he was allowed to use that same film. He was all excited. And when he got to that point, he thought he was going to be able to announce to the public we found evidence of structures on the moon, uh, non-human structures. When they got to that point, he said it was not in the film anymore. It had been removed from the film. He was puzzled. He went to talk to the head of NASA again. And he was told they were never there. So this sounds a lot to me like Hoover's experience, where you have clear evidence of something that seems extra human, non-human intelligence, extraterrestrial, call it what you will. And you have NASA 
uh, giving us, the administrator is giving us a runaround. And I think what this suggests to me is that there's a cover-up going on within NASA. In other words, there's just more to NASA than we know about. And I guess it's quite possible that there's a classified side of NASA that does work for the military putting you know, classified payloads up in space. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But uh, the issue here would be if this sort of classified NASA, if such a thing exists, uh, are they in possession of evidence of non-human intelligence, extraterrestrial uh, life with regards to these photos, to these objects being photographed outside the different Apollo missions and Skylab, and that the main NASA doesn't know what the classified NASA is doing. In other words, though the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Is this what we're dealing with? Because again, uh, this is a very serious issue. We don't, we can't have transparency if the people that are part of a NASA commission to get to the truth about UFOs, UAP, if they don't have access to all the information, uh, how would they be able to give the public a fair and complete and honest report. It's just like what Congress is going through right now by uh, having witness after witness, we're told since 2017, in closed door classified sessions, in SCIFs, you know, sec com secure compartmentalized information facilities. Uh, if this is hap if Congress is getting access to these witnesses, but the public hasn't heard about it, and this is why they're drafting amendments to the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, because they know how serious an issue this is, that, that there are many more David Grushes out there, you know, as we're being told right now, perhaps 30 to 50 other David Grush level witnesses that the Congress has heard, but we haven't heard. If you have this going on, at least Congress is getting the full, you know, uh, exposure to what the evidence is. But in this case, if NASA just comes forward and says, well, there's nothing to see here, we don't have any evidence. It suggests to me they haven't looked at the evidence. Or if the evidence exists, the people, Bill Nelson and crew, don't know about it. Or they know about it and they're not telling us. So, so either way, something's not right. <laughs> okay. I thought you would enjoy that. Uh, just It made me think of uh, Dr. Richard Hoover. And uh, I think uh, these witnesses over the years, uh, there was another one, by the way, just one last witness. Uh, this was Phil from Chapter 19 in uh, Black Swan Ghost. I mean, uh, just Phil is an air, was an aerospace engineer. He lives, you know, in the Denver area. And I've spoken to Phil a number of times. He worked for JPL. He worked for Ball Aerospace. And he's the one who told me, matter of fact, no doubt about it, that his group, wherever he was working at the time, which aerospace company, I'm not sure, they were given materials by JPL, by NASA's JPL, and told that people who made it went away. Could this group figure out how it worked? This is evidence for extraterrestrial materials because Phil told me, and I've spoken to him again recently about it, I, they, the group looked at these materials. They said, there is no way this is human. I said, so you thought it was extraterrestrial? And Phil said, no, I'm, I'm sure it's extraterrestrial. Okay, so he looked at the materials. I didn't. Uh, he said that 
JPL hands these materials out to different aerospace groups to see if someone can figure out how it works. Again, this is evidence coming from people that have worked with NASA. So I think if NASA wants to come clean, they need to address this type of evidence rather than just tell us that they haven't seen anything that looks worth looking at. Okay, let me know your comments and thoughts below. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next video. Take care for now and bye.